today on CityCast Denver. Well, where should we begin? Oh God, I don't even know. I mean, what are, what are our options? Whatever you want. I'm an open book. You're listening to Kristen Aguirre's first appearance on Nine News after a blood clot in her brain changed her life forever. So that day, I, I don't remember much. It's kind of fuzzy. This story aired on World Stroke Day 2019. I remember the morning of, I went to spin class and then I went to a fundraiser. And I remember those. After that, I just remember waking up on the floor and then the paramedics coming in. So there are some big important parts that are missing. Nine News embraced her story and her colleagues supported her. But here we are two years later and Kristen's not on TV in Denver anymore. And she's suing Nine News for discrimination. Today is Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Kristen, is your last name Aguirre? Yeah, Aguirre? Yeah, you could, How would I, you could just okay. say Aguirre. I mean, if you want to get ethnic, you Aguirre. can say Aguirre, but Aguirre's fine. Okay, I, <laughs> Aguirre's just, fine. Whatever you, whatever you prefer. Is, well, I, I say Aguirre. I say so. Aguirre. Well, Kristen Aguirre, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hi. So, Kristen, could you start by just telling me about your job at Nine News? Did you move to Denver for this job? I did. So I moved to Denver in 2017. And uh, before that, I was working in Flint. Flint, Michigan? Yeah. Okay. And then um, was able to get an interview at Nine News and really took, I mean, I didn't really know much about Nine News or Denver before I moved here. And my agent was like, listen, you go to Nine News and you can go anywhere you want after that. And it's always been my dream to come back home and have my grandparents and my parents see me on air. And so I came in 2017 and then in 2019 is when I had my stroke. So, and from what I understand, there's different size markets for the Mm -hmm. news world. And I think Denver's a pretty good market from what I understand, like where people want to be here. Denver's a top 20 market for sure. And it has like a real airport, it's a real city. Do you know what I mean? Like when we start out in this business, like my first market was Quincy, Illinois. I had to drive to St. Louis to get an airport, small town. And so Denver was the biggest market I've I've ever been in. I had ever been Okay. So it's pretty like desirable. It's a spot where where people in your profession want to be. Well, and Nine News is known in our industry as being, you know, like a titan in the industry, a place where you want to go, especially if you want to be a storyteller. And, you know, despite what happened, I'm definitely a better writer because of my time there. And it's yeah, it's definitely a place you wanted to be um, if you wanted to grow as a journalist. But your relationship with Nine News fell apart after you had that stroke in 2019. You just filed a lawsuit against the news station, too, but I want to go back to that time in 2019. Can you tell me about your recovery process? It was hell. Um, but mm. um, So um, basically after uh, I had my stroke, April 13th, 2019, and then um, the next, I mean, I was paralyzed on my entire left side, uh, couldn't move anything, couldn't walk. I mean, I couldn't even go to the bathroom. Uh, it's... You know, I think when I think about my recovery, it's not, it wasn't even like doom and gloom. I mean, it was horrible to be like when I couldn't move, but I had laughter throughout my recovery from the very beginning. So um, five days later on the 18th, we had a representative from Craig come 
Craig Hospital in Denver. So we were like, yep. They're like, this is the place you want to be if you want to recover. And my family and I were like, all right, let's do it. And so we moved on the 18th to Craig and I was there till the end of June. And really, I oh, and Craig, wow. those three months, I was basically learning how to do everything again. And I mean everything, like shower alone, go to the bathroom alone, like everything. Because I wow. was... I was paralyzed and every single day was dedicated towards getting my mobility back. And then what a blessing that when I was able to walk out of the hospital there, when initially my first conference with like my doctors and my team, they're like, you're probably going to need a wheelchair the rest of your life. And I remember, yeah, I remember that moment and um, looking at my, my dad and he was like, okay, Miha, like, do you think, is that what you think? Is that what you want? And I was like, there is nothing wrong with being paralyzed. Absolutely not. But I could feel in my bones like that wasn't my path. And I was yeah. like, no. And he's like, okay, well, what are we going to do every day? And there's only so much you can really do because it's like neurons need to like come back together in my brain. But what could I do was go in on the weekends and really, you know, do whatever exercises that I could. And so that's exactly what my dad and I did. And I think in my recovery that like helped rewire things. And, you know, thankfully I was able to walk out of there and my left arm is still sometimes a little bit weak, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. Wow. That sounds like such a daunting process as a human to relearn things that we kind of take for granted of just like, it feels like we've always known them, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You never know what you have right until it's gone. Yeah. So... You returned to work um, at Nine News on World Stroke Day, um, which I, I, f- I feel personally hearing that story, I think, oh, gosh, that you were highly visible. There was this hyper focus on, on mm-hmm. your disability or your experience. How did it feel returning to work? I mean, it was scary, but also exciting. Like, it was also my idea to kind of return on that day. Um, I've been so open about my story, and that was not forced about to anyone. I was really trying to reach other Christians uh, the day on April 14th. Like, if I could reach anybody who was waking up the day after a stroke in paralysis, any sort of disability, and letting you know, like, it's going to suck. Like, this journey is hard, and you are going to have to literally crawl and scratch your way back to the top. But you can do it. Um, so yeah. I was totally fine sharing my story again. And when they were like, yeah, do you want to come back in World Stroke? I'm like, let's do it, you know, just so I could make visible. I wanted to make more visible, like, um, what are the signs of stroke? How can I stop this from happening to one more person? So, I mean, it was a little yeah. scary, especially because my arm was still like a little stiff and I had like, there's this thing called tone. I had tone in it. So for me, my arm has always been like something that I've been like very self-conscious about. Not so much anymore, but definitely at that time. So I was definitely nervous and scared. Do you remember having any conversations at work about the lingering impacts of your stroke? I mean, I feel like there was this, sometimes there's this like push to be as quote unquote normal as possible. And I just wonder where you, oh, obviously you're open about your experience, but what was that like in the workplace? Well, one of my first conversations back at work when I sat down was like, you know, they're going to make you cut your hair with one of my bosses. And I was like, my hair is literally the last thing on my mind. But <laughs> I didn't want to cut it only because because my mobility on my left hand, like having longer hair, like helped me, was easier for me to put in a ponytail. And that's changed, right? Because my hair is short now. It's, you know, it's up in a bun now. But at the time, I remember thinking like, my hair is literally the last thing on my mind. And if I had to hire a stylist to do it every day before I went to work or came in early to like Danielle curl it or something, like it, we'd get it done. But 
to me, that was the first sign. Like, clearly, they're focused oh, on my outward appearance than they image. are about what's happening inside. Right. And that's sort of a, I don't want to say a normal part of the business, but um, mm-hmm. like you're saying, they were there's probably standards about your hair length or there's I, it just sounds like there's a lot of focused on what you present as and I mean that you're like you said that comes along with the business right nine was definitely the first station I've been at and it's a top 20 market so it's not like this is absurd thinking but it was definitely the first station where they were like so honed in on like what I looked like my first week there like I was with a stylist they cut my hair we went shopping I had to spend money on new clothes I mean and that was like all daunting, oh. you know, coming in as a healthy reporter. But I can see how that would be difficult for um, someone with a disability or something that is outwardly, quote unquote, different from the whatever people consider the norm to step into that world. Right. Was that something that was like apparent to you or different? Or were you just like, oh, this is how it goes. I know how it goes because I've been in this business. Yeah, it was uh, very much like I know how it goes because I've been in this business. But there were some things that I was taken back by. And here's the thing. People with a disability, we're not asking for a pass. We're asking for respect and to be treated just as everyone else. Um, So one of my meetings after I had been back for a little bit and done a couple like run-throughs with shows were asking me like, well, why do you stare into the camera like that? I don't know. Like what a weird question to ask. And I think he was trying to get, I think he was trying to get to, you know, like trying to nicely say like, you look different now, you know, without saying it directly. And for some of the disabilities to be asked so blatantly like that, like, I mean, to me, I didn't think I stared differently, you know, but, you know, then he would like pause and be like, look here, this, in this moment here. And in those moments, even though I was in the room with like maybe two other people, they're mortifying. (gasps) Mm, That sounds so stressful. (laughs) On top of just being going through this experience and wanting to just be back in the world and doing Again, your job. People, and that's why I share my story because nobody is asking for a free pass here. Like I wasn't asking. They asked me to meet deadlines. I met them. They asked me to, you know, make sure my look was fine. I did that. And, you know, I was told towards the end that I was no longer up to nine new standards. And at that point, I was really like, just give me that heck out of here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be around these people anymore. And that was very much so, and I've said this before in other interviews, like management. That it's not talking about my team there. My team was there with me in most of them, like my close friends with, with me in the ER and like every day at the hospital. So it's really the management team that was, I was I'm referring to. And how did it feel? Because I, you know, looking back, Googling your story, looking at um, the times that you spoke about this experience, it was clear that Nine News was was maybe using that to a certain extent to sort of highlight, like, we hired, we have someone with a disability here. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. like, they, they supported the Craig Hospital Gala and, and all these very outwardly facing things. And I wondered how that felt for you as the person who was seeing also on the other side the mistreatment you were getting by management. The Craig Hospital moment for me was the most traumatizing. Like I talked about it in therapy. It was just, to me, they were like parading me around at this event. And I know they've been to, um, I've had a former Nine News employee reach out like, oh, you know, we went to that Craig event before you got sick. And that's great. And I'm glad they support the hospital and give them all, Craig needs all the money. Like I would help support them any way I can. But I felt very much like they took me to the hospital, to the gala, to just be like, look, we're here to support our girl. When really days before that, I had just had like a panic attack in the 
garage because of the way they were treating me. So it was just so untruthful. And that to me was just unacceptable and why I've kind of gone forward with a lawsuit because I was just, I can't imagine somebody else going through what I have. And if I have an option to kind of stop that, that's what I'm going to do. God, it just, oh my gosh, it just feels so stressful just thinking about that. Those two, seeing the parallel of how you're being treated and then Mm -hmm. what's being presented to the world. And it's funny because I remember like talking about this with my dad because my mom came down to go to the gala with me because I didn't want to go at the table by myself with all my bosses. And I was like, I need some sort of support there. And my mom's like, okay, like I'll fly in. And I was talking to my dad about how nervous I was to go to this gala. Like, and he was like, you know what, Miha, maybe they're going to see you in a different light. Maybe Tim will look at you and be like, wow, look at how strong this girl is. And maybe he'll lighten up. And then it was like six Mm. days after that I got fired. Oh my gosh. And you've moved on. I know you said you're you're from Chicago, right? Yes, yeah. But you mm-hmm. are now in North Carolina? I'm a, yeah, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, same position, anchor reporter um, at WLOS. It is a smaller market. So Denver is like 17, 18, and WLOS is like 35. I mean, being in another market now and just having this experience of being in a couple places, do you think that there is an issue in your industry with disability and representation on the TV, on TV news. I think there's an issue in every industry with that. I think it's clear that these are issues that like run deep in the culture at Tegna, not just Nine News, but the entire company as a whole. And I think if we're going to change the industry, let's start with this. What can we do to change the way we look at people of color, disabilities? Like diversity is more than your skin color, right? Diversity is different abilities. I mean, it's so many things. And I think if we want to continue to be an inclusive or uh, type of industry, then yeah, we should have more, which is what really kind of pushed me to continue to try to stay in this business was that I feel like I'm a representative of this community now. And if I can show people, you can do this. It's hard, but you just need to find the right people to support you. And if a little girl with, you know, has an issue with her arm, sees me on there and, you know, if she could just see me and say, look, I look like her. She can do it. I can do it. Then that's what I used to do when I felt when I was healthy. And I was like, if a little brown girl could just see me on TV and be like, I look like her, like I want to, I can do what she can do. Like that's the, I mean, why else am I doing this? Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. This was so fun. (laughs) We reached out to Nine News to see if they had anything to say about Kristen's lawsuit, and they sent us a statement. It reads, We have robust practices and are committed to individualized programs to help our employees be productive in the workplace. We worked with Kristen and her medical team to do everything we could to support her in redeveloping her abilities following her stroke. We have and continue to wish her well. We are confident that our station provided appropriate, reasonable accommodations to assist Kristen on her path toward recovery. Additionally, Nine News has diversity programs in place and is committed to an inclusive and diverse environment for all employees. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. 99.1% of Denver Public Schools employees are now vaccinated following a mandate from the city. According to Chalkbeat, only 108 have yet to get the shot. They have until January 2nd to either get the vaccine or obtain an exemption or they will be terminated. While less than 1% of DPS employees sounds like a small amount, losing even 100 people could be detrimental as the district is already canceling whole school days because of a serious staffing shortage. It's officially weird that there's been no snow. 
Starting yesterday, every day that passes without snow means a new record for latest snowfall in Denver. But our mountain ski resorts are still out here trying to make it happen. The Denver Post reports that Aspen, Snowmass, Crested Butte, Powderhorn, and Steamboat are all scheduled to open this week, despite mild temperatures. The warm days also mean snowmaking is behind, with crews only being able to produce about 10% of the normal human-made powder. Global warming is real, everyone. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Okay, I just felt like I was breathing in weird spots.